Well, our message today is entitled, Test the Spirits, and we're going to be talking about how to determine what is true and what is false in our world. On April 1st, 1996, uh, a while ago, Taco Bell Corporation took out a a full-paid ad in a number of major newspapers announcing that it had bought the Liberty Bell and was renaming it the Taco Liberty Bell. Well, hundreds of outraged citizens uh, called the National Historic Park in Philadelphia where the Liberty Bell was located and expressed their anger uh, that Taco uh, Bell was going to rename the Liberty Bell. Well, Taco Bell revealed a few hours later that it was a practical April Fool's joke. This was April 1st, okay? You should have caught that. But that's a trivial example of, of fake news. Uh, deceived a number of uh, many, it deceived many people, and, uh, and today we also have such things. It's vitally important to be able to discern between what is true and what is false in our world. If we make decisions based on false news or false information, the results are not going to be good. Jesus said in John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, the verses are written out in the white page in the middle of your program as well. And so if the truth sets us free, what does falsehood or lies do? They keep us in bondage. And so the Bible talks a lot about truth. Many people think the Bible only deals with spiritual truth and has little to say about other aspects of our world. But that's not true. God's word teaches us that All truth is God's truth. Everything that's true in this world is part of God's truth. For example, a a trivial example is 2 plus 2 is 4, right? That's a a mathematical truth, but it represents a structure in God's creation. Uh, It's a true fact. 2 plus 2 is not 5, it's it's 4. And so as we study the Bible, we learn that the kingdom of God represents and is based on the truth. And so we have the kingdom of God and the truth of God, which embraces all truth around us, whether it's written in the Bible or not. There are many things that are true that are not necessarily written down in the Bible. On the other hand, we have the domain of Satan. The domain of Satan is based on falsehood and lies. John writes to us in 1 John 2.21, I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. And so as believers, God has revealed his truth to us. And God's truth contains no lies. It contains no falsehood. Now, again, there's a lot of talk today, right, about fake news and real news. And who decides what is fake and who decides what is real? It's a, I'm not going to go into it, but it's a, it's a major controversy today. Unfortunately, there are many people and organizations that are saying, we are the judges. We can decide what is true and what is false. And many of these people and organizations do not know the truth themselves. And so the situation today is that our news media, our social media, internet, television, movies are full of falsehood of all kinds. False facts and teaching are being presented as true, and true facts and teaching are being presented as false. And so as believers, we must learn how to test the spirits. Behind every truth in our world is the Spirit of God. Jesus said in John 14, 7, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. Behind every lie and falsehood in our world is, is Satan, whom Jesus referred to in John 8, 44, as the father of lies. 
That would make a good headline, right? Satan is the author of fake news, right? Uh, and so Jesus is the champion of the truth. And so we should all, uh, all of us who follow him are part of the truth as well. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. And so today we're going to look at First uh, John again and learn how to test the spirits to discern between truth and falsehood. Now, as we do that, we need to have confidence. We need to have confidence with God. We begin in chapter 3, verse 19. It says, by this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. That's before God. And so God wants us to have confidence that we know the truth. He wants us to have confidence that we are living in the truth. And when we know that we are of the truth, we can have confidence in our relationship with God. And God desires for us to know the truth in every aspect of our lives and to be truth tellers, ones who disseminate the truth and not falsehood. But there are times when we may not have confidence before God, times when we must defeat doubt in our lives. Verse 20, for whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Now, when does our heart condemn us? Well, our heart condemns us when we sin, and we sin when we believe on and act upon falsehood. All sin comes from believing a lie from the enemy and giving in to temptation. Let me say that again. It's, I wish I had more time to talk about this, but all sin comes from believing a lie and then giving in to that temptation. The lie promises us something good, but it's not really good. And we give in to the temptation. And how do we defeat the doubt when our heart condemns us when, after we've sinned? Well, God has made a way for us to be forgiven. We confess our sin to him, and he cleanses our heart as we receive his forgiveness. And as we're forgiven, God then reassures our heart and restores our confidence in him and his truth. We gain confidence with God as we live in obedience to him. Verse 21 and 22. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And so John now spells out the conditions to have confidence with God. If our sins are confessed, if our sins are forgiven... Our hearts will not condemn us with guilt, and so we can have confidence in our relationship with God. And when we have confidence in our relationship with God, it impacts our prayer life. John here says that we can have faith in our prayers, that what we ask for, we're going to receive. Because we have this confidence before God. And so if we're walking in God's truth, if we're having our prayers answered, what are we doing? And John tells us we are living in obedience to God's commands. We're pleasing him in all of our life. This is what's required to know that we are of the truth, to know that what we believe is true. We must be walking in close relationship with God and his word. We must know his commands, his instructions to us in God's word, and be living them out in our lives, obeying them. 
Now, the deceptions and falsehoods of the enemy in our day and our time are very prevalent and very subtle. I believe that there is more deception, more falsehood in our nation today than ever before since the founding of this country. Now, that's just my opinion. And these lies and these falsehoods are permeating our media. They're permeating our schools, our government, increasing number of our churches. And some people despair of ever knowing the truth. How can I ever know what's true? There are so many options. Other people believe the lie that there is no absolute truth. They think that each person can have their own truth, even though it may contradict what other people believe. If I want to believe two plus two is five, that's fine. You know, if you feel good about it, then two plus two is five to you. It might be three to somebody else and four to somebody else. There is no absolute truth. And yet the Bible teaches us that we can know truth. There is an absolute truth. And we can be able to detect falsehood. The closer we walk with God, the better that we know him who is the truth. The better that we obey his word, the more we'll be able to detect falsehood and error around us. Somebody once said that, I don't know if this is true anymore, but at least at some point in the past, the way they taught bank tellers and other people how to detect counterfeit money was get them to really understand what real money looked like. And when they really understood and had a lot of experience handling real money, when something counterfeit came in, they would instantly know there was something wrong. There was something odd with it. And the same is true. The better we know God, the better we know his word, he's going to help us to discern anything that's contrary to it. Now, not only will we have confidence with God, God desires for us to discern uh, the spirit. Moving on to chapter 4 of 1 John. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. To see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so there are many spirits in our world. Spirits are, are supernatural beings, uh, bodiless beings. They're just spirits that have power to influence people who allow them to. Now God has only one spirit. It's, it's the Holy Spirit or he is the Holy Spirit. The spirit of truth. Satan, on the other hand, has many spirits or, or demons. They're referred to different things. Unclean spirits, demons, the same thing. Under his control, and they promote what he promotes, lies and falsehood. And we are not to believe everything we hear because behind every teaching, behind every piece of news, there is a spirit. It's either of God, the spirit of truth, or of the devil. And John tells us there are many false prophets. A false prophet is simply speaking a teaching from a spirit that is not from God. And so his teaching or the things he's saying are false. And we need to be able to detect that and not heed it. There were many false prophets in John's day. I think there are many more today. I mean, just there's many more people here today than were John's time as well. So how can we test the spirits to see whether they are from God? Well, John's answer is we must discern how the Spirit answers a, a fundamental question. And that has to do with who is Jesus. Verse 2 of chapter 4. By this you know the Spirit of God. 
Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. And so this is the fundamental, the basic test to determine whether a teacher, a prophet, or a teaching is from God. Has Jesus Christ come in the flesh? Now, what that statement means may not be obvious the first time you read it, but let's pick it apart. Jesus Christ, uh, Jesus is his name, Christ is a title. It means Messiah, it means the anointed one. And that indicates that Jesus is the Son of God. The Messiah is God. He's fully divine. So when we say Jesus Christ, we're talking about Jesus as the Son of God, equal with God, divine, coming with full divinity. Now the second part of this statement does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Speaking of Jesus as God coming in human flesh, becoming a man. Being at one time fully God and fully man. And not just when he lived on the earth. He still is that. I mean, he didn't cease being a man when he resurrected into heaven. He still is fully God and fully man. Any other spirit or teaching that does not uh, correlate with this is not from God. And Jesus, I mean, John lumps all those other spirits teaching in one category. He calls it the spirit of the Antichrist. Now, those are demonic spirits that are against Jesus Christ, that are against his truth, and they are lying spirits. And what does the spirit of the Antichrist teach about Jesus? Well, most teach that Jesus was simply a man. He was a good prophet. He said some good things, but he was not God. Some spirits teach that Jesus was God or some other type of supernatural spirit, not God, but he was not human. Both are false teachings uh, and both indicate this is not the spirit of God speaking, but a false uh, spirit or false prophet. And we'll give some examples in a few minutes. Well, God wants us to overcome the world. These false spirits are out there in the world. He says, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. Who is them? It's it's the uh, false prophets. It's the lying spirits. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And so John was writing to the believers of his day. He was saying that they are from God and they have overcome them, the lying spirits of the Antichrist or Satan that teach falsehood about Jesus and his word. John writes that greater is the one who is in them than he who is in the world. And who is in us? Who is in believers? It's the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. Who is in the world? It's Satan with his demonic spirits. Uh, John writes of the Antichrist. I mean, Antichrist simply means things that are Antichrist or against Christ. I mean, it's just what the word means. They're against, fighting against Christ, uh, seeking to uh, contradict him. John says those who know God, those who know the truth, listen to us. Now, when he writes us, who is he speaking of? Well, us is, is the apostles who have written God's word to us in the pages of the Bible, in the pages of the New Testament. False teachers do not listen to God's word. And so finally, 
John identifies the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of truth, just as Jesus did. And he defines the other spirits, Satan's spirits, as the spirits or the spirit of error. Spirit of truth versus spirit of error. And so God wants us to grow in discerning the spirits. In fact, we won't get into it today. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's one of the spiritual gifts, discerning of spirits, to be able to discern. Some people have a greater ability to discern, a gift from God to discern what is true and false. And we need to, uh, each of us, cultivate our discernment, and some will have better discernment, and we need to listen to them. Now, what happens when we apply this test that John tells us about to determine what is the spirit of truth and what is the spirit of error? Well, every religion in the world, other than Christianity, fails the test. No other religion teaches that Jesus is fully divine and fully human. It doesn't matter what we talk about, whether it's Hinduism, whether it's Islam, uh, whether it's Buddhism. I mean, you just go down the list. Uh, Judaism does not believe that Jesus was the Messiah, does not believe that he was God. We go down the list. No other religion teaches that Jesus is fully divine and fully human. What happens when we apply this test to Christian denominations? Well, some fail the test. And others are becoming increasingly close to failing. Uh, some obvious ones today that fail the test uh, are the Mormons, Jehovah's Witness, Christian scientists. They fail the test with regard to their teachings about Jesus. We don't have time to go into it. Uh, you can look it up on your own. Uh, they do not teach that Jesus was fully God and fully man. The majority of adults in America believe that Jesus sinned in his life. And this belief is increasing. Now, how does this apply to the test? If Jesus sinned in his life, can he be God? No. And so we have a problem there. They are, a majority of adults in America are believing the lie of the spirit of Antichrist that, that um, Jesus sinned. He didn't sin. I mean, we have the record there. Uh, in the New Testament, he never sinned. He lived a perfect life. In fact, some people hold a contradictory view that Jesus sinned and he still was God. It's like, explain that one to me, okay? But uh, that's what you get when people don't believe in absolute truth. Sometimes you hold totally contradictory things that even fail the test of logic. Statistics, those that we talked about as well as others, show that other Christian denominations are beginning to slide into error and deception. Now, this is not the only test for error. I mean, this is a fundamental test. You get this one wrong, it's clear cut. Uh, there are other things that are just as important. Uh, one other test I'll just mention here, it's not out of the scripture, but ask, how is a person saved? A very important question. Is it by faith in Jesus Christ or is it by being a good person? Uh, the Bible teaches, the Holy Spirit teaches that one is saved by faith in Jesus Christ. The spirit of error teaches that one is saved by doing good things. Uh, we must learn to discern the spirits and beware of deceivers. Moving over to 2 John on the same topic, chapter 1, verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such a one is the deceiver 
and the Antichrist. And so John writes that there are many deceivers, <clears throat> many deceivers who do not pass the test. And these deceivers are people who have believed and are teaching the falsehoods of Satan's lying spirits. In fact, here he says that the deceivers have gone out, speaking of really going out from the church. Many of deceivers have come out from the church and now use the language of the church or even use the language of God's word to attempt to deceive people. Because there are so many deceivers, we must be careful to watch ourselves. Verse 8, watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. And so we must be alert. We must be careful about what we listen to, about what we watch, so that we are not deceived as other people have been. Which the Bible teaches, pride comes before a fall. We think, I could never be deceived. Uh, you are close to being deceived because we need to watch ourselves. It's possible to be deceived by deceivers. And so we must not welcome false teaching. Verse 10, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, which we just talked about here, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. So in the days of John, most false teaching, or false teaching was almost entirely spread by word of mouth. Uh, people talking to other people. Written documents were very rare. I mean, there were some. Obviously, the Bible was written down. But the common person didn't have a bookshelf of books or anything like that. Uh, oral communication was the major form of communication. And John warned the church to not receive false teachers or deceivers into their homes. And the last phrase in verse 11 gives us the reason. Whoever welcomes or receives a false teacher takes part in his wicked works. By aiding, by giving ear to false teaching, the person becomes guilty as well. We must beware of deceivers. Now, we might say, well, I'm not going to welcome any false teacher into my house. And uh, that might be true, doing it literally. But today, it's far more easy to welcome false teachers or false teaching into our homes virtually. We have far more opportunity, far more temptation to hear, to listen to, to be deceived by false teaching today than even in John's day. False teaching had come into our homes and lives through websites, through videos, movies, games, television, books, and probably the list could go on. I mean, it, today it doesn't come in just our homes, it just comes into our phones, right? It's with us all the time. False teaching is not just related to theological issues. I mean, we had a very theological question at the core of this, but false teaching is rampant in our media today. False teaching glorifies and celebrates all kinds of sin. When we watch people sinning for our entertainment, we are taking part in that sin. We, as John says, become guilty of that sin. And so we are specifically warned against welcoming falsehood into our lives, into our homes, here in many places in the Bible. Now, everything that we watch, everything that we listen to, everything that we read affects us, whether for good or for bad. It's either of the truth or it's of error. 
It either draws us closer to God or it drives us farther away. I say, well, there's a lot of neutral things out there. Well, they're either true or they're false. There's nothing neutral in our world, so we must beware of deceivers. And so God's plan for us is to be people of the truth, God's truth. We gain confidence in God as we live in obedience to the truth of his word. Through the Holy Spirit of truth, we can learn to discern between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error that leads people away from Jesus. The spirit of truth leads people towards Jesus. The spirit of error leads people away from him. And we must be alert because our world is full of deception and deceivers. In probably greater degree even than in John's world. There's so many ways that we can be deceived. And as we learn not to welcome false teaching and error into our lives, into our homes, into our phones, into our eyes, into our ears, into our thoughts, God will help us to walk in the blessing of his truth and help spread that truth to others as well. Today, if you want to know the truth found in Jesus Christ, Jesus said, I am the truth. Here's what the Bible says that we must do. To become a believer in Christ, to know him who is the truth, to have the spirit of truth living inside of you, we need to admit that we've sinned, that we've believed a lie and we've done wrong things. The Bible says all have sinned. All have been deceived by the enemy. We must admit that we've sinned. We must believe that Jesus died on the cross, that our sins might be forgiven. And when our sins are forgiven, we then can have a relationship with God. Ask him to forgive us and commit our lives to following Jesus as our Lord, following his truth throughout our lives. So let's bow our heads right now. If you'd like to commit your life to Jesus Christ for the first time or recommit your life to him, I'd like to ask you to pray along with me. Uh, perhaps you've made some commitment in the past, but today you feel the Spirit of God encouraging you to recommit your life to him, to make a fresh start today. I'd encourage you to pray along with me, something like this. You can pray in your own mind. God knows what you're thinking. Say something like this. Father, today... I admit that I've sinned, I've done wrong things, things that were not right, things that were not of the truth. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, he lived a perfect life, took my sins upon himself, paid the price that I might be forgiven. Please forgive me, come into my life, I commit myself to following you, Jesus, and your truth all the days of my life. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you today for your word that is so clear. That shows us how to test the spirits in our day, in our time. Today we recognize that our world is full of deceivers who are spreading all kinds of falsehood. Help us to have confidence in our relationship with you as we walk in the truth and as we obey that truth in our lives. Help us to grow in being able to discern between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Forgive us for the times that we've welcomed false teaching and sin into our homes, into our lives, through the media and other areas. May we be alert and daily 
in the truth of your word so that we can resist temptation and deception. We thank you that Jesus is the truth and that we have the Holy Spirit of truth living inside of us. Father, we pray for this missionary that we saw the video of going to the forgotten villages of India. We pray that you'd keep him safe. We pray that you'd open the hearts of people to receive the truth about Jesus, to turn away from the error of Hinduism and come to the truth of Jesus Christ. Uh, we pray for revival to continue to expand in India. We pray for the elections that are coming up. We pray that there would be a government put into place there in India that would be more respectful of Christianity than the one that is there now. We thank you that you're moving there and many thousands of people are being saved in that country. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.